And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast presented by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. If you're going down to a Great American Ballpark, and it would appear there's going to be a lot more people doing that now, make sure you stop by and visit our good friends at the Holy Grail, and uh, they will get you taken care of before and after Reds games, Taylor Swift concerts, or uh, pretty much anything and everything going on down at the banks. So uh, stop by and uh, tell them. Bearcat Journal saying, yeah, they'll get you taken care of. Great food, great drinks, and uh, all the best to our good friends at the Holy Grail. And uh, I, I won't mention his da- name. Dave was apparently offended that we discussed the biggest topic in uh, Cincinnati sports last night on the nightcap. So I won't say Ellie at all. <laughs> I didn't know he. I didn't know he was affiliated with the Bearcats. We we compared it to other Bear or Bearcat premieres. Guys that that were, you know, that had all the hype when they they took the field. So it was a Bearcat related. That's what you do in the content game, Dave. You take something that's happening that's relevant and you compare it to something else that's UC related. If you would have listened to more than 30 seconds, you would have heard it. (laughs) I'm really bummed I didn't. (laughs) All right, we're going to kick this off. uh, with our, our second sponsor, because we are going to do a little bit of a new segment uh, here between now and the start of the Bearcats' first season in the Big 12, and that is getting uh, as much information as we possibly can about all of the teams that Cincinnati will be uh, joining starting July 1st. It is brought to you by our good friends at Team Ticker. You can see it right there. TeamTicker.com. They are uh, running a special right now uh, through Father's Day where you can get $50 off. So it's only $249. It's a one-of-a-kind sports sign for Bearcat fans. It's a high-tech retro display. It provides daily updates of the latest news, stats, schedules, betting odds, and much more. No subscription required. If you're looking for the perfect addition to your man cave or a gift for that special Bearcats fan, go to TeamTicker.com. And pick up your team ticker today. And with that, we welcome in Chris Anderson from earsports.com in the 24-7 Sports Network, the number one site for news and information about the West Virginia Mountaineers. Chris, how's it going, my friend? I'm doing all right. Just doing the usual Little League baseball, official football visitors, recruiting camps, all that good stuff that comes in June. Absolutely. We we uh we're, we're starting to get into our, you know, learning about our new opponents more in depth. And I felt like about West Virginia. That's <laughs> why I felt like there was no better place to start than, I don't know if you want to call them, you know, rivals. I mean, they had some great games, but they didn't, they weren't together in the big East for, for such a long period of time that they became great, great rivals. But my brother went to West Virginia. Games. I have, Many fun memories of UC West Virginia games. I went to the LSU West Virginia game back in the day with the Honey Badger and Patrick Peterson. So, no better place to start than uh, than a than a good trip that I know Bearcat fans are looking forward to. Uh, than talking some Mountaineer football. I kind of want to start though with last year and just the whole like Neil Brown, the vibe. I think what the the um, the buyout probably ended up being prohibitive 
to to making a move when all was said and done. If that's not accurate, please correct me. But just kind of where are things going into this year? It would seem that now he is definitively on the proverbial hot seat. You know, what has kind of been it's never one thing, but what's kind of been the issues that have kept him from from really getting things going over there? Yeah, I mean, really, it's it's medio- mediocrity, and that's what four years has been. Um, they're around a 500 team ever since he got there. And for the first three years, it was offense. They could not find any rhythm on offense. The defense was somewhere between very good and excellent each of those each of those seasons. Uh, they tried several different things with offensive coordinator. Originally, he was the play caller, kind of, sort of handled it off to Jared Parker, maybe. Um, it's a point of contention around Morgantown because there was no clear-cut answer, and every time you asked, there was a different answer. And then they brought in Graham Harrell. So this is the fix. We're bringing in Graham Harrell, this brilliant offensive mind, air raid offense. We're getting JT Daniels, who was a former five-star quarterback, and this offense is going to be great. And the offense was mediocre again. And then you paired that with a defense that was just ravaged by injuries and transfers and things went south pretty quick last season. Uh, and to be quite honest, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, if you would have told me five and seven, I would have said it was a disaster. But the way things went kind of at the beginning, in the middle of the year, they were lucky to get back to five and seven. So now what, Harold and – Daniels are both gone. Yep. So we'll kind of just roll right into that and stick with the offense. What does the new offensive coordinator plan look like compared to what Graham was doing, which I'm sure it's 180 degrees from what he was doing. Uh, and then where does the QB situation stand? Like I kind of did a little, you know, looked a little bit. It sounds like there's a couple guys vying for it. Neither of which have a ton of experience. One's a, a is he a true freshman or redshirt freshman? Yeah, it's kind of like where does the offense go? Is it just taking a whole a whole new turn now in in year five? Well, I think the easier answer, and I'll start there, is with quarterback because it they played it as a two man battle between Garrett Green, who took over the starting job after uh, I mean Daniels didn't even get hurt; it was just poor play. He he subbed in for him, and Green got a couple big wins for West Virginia, and then Green got hurt. So then Nico Marchio, who was a, a coveted freshman last season. Uh, stepped in and I mean he didn't do much of anything except leading offense you know he didn't uh, run some explosive offense it was more just a ground and pound um, but Neil Brown said at the end of spring things are still open sure I mean it's probably green but I think you have to say at this point that it's still open because it's not so clearly definitive that it's with one over the other if you say it is one or the other then the other one's gone so at this point, you kind of say it's still a two-man battle, and it'll stay that way until camp. But I think Green has a leg up right now. As for the offense, they hired uh, running backs coach Chad Scott, just promoted him from within, which I think raised a lot of eyebrows. Like, hey, wait, the problem in the last four years has been the offense, and now you promote from within for the guy, from one of the few guys that's been here all four years. Um, it's it's a good point, and, and I understand where fans are coming from with that, but I think. West Virginia is trying to lean into their strengths. They are returning all five linemen that started in the season last year. Uh, three of them, uh, I think three of them, maybe four of them, have started multiple seasons now. And then you go into the running back room where they had four guys. One of them ended up leaving at the spring, which was understandable. But uh, four different guys that had, you know, 
starter caliber reps, starter caliber reps last year, and they're going to be running it back. So I think they're going to lean heavily into this running game, this running back room, this offensive line, and it makes sense to go with that running back coach, the guy who has built that you know that the strongest room on the team. I would say. So does will he call plays or will Brown? Call plays like I mean, if that was a thing last year, I imagine it's probably gonna, is he going to like let the first time offensive coordinator in a, in a year that he needs to win some games actually call yeah. the offense? That seems hard to believe. I, I I've said it from the very beginning. You know, again, we're not getting a clear cut answer from Neil Brown. He kind of said, "Yeah, we'll see." We give Chad this spring. That's what he said at the beginning of spring. We're going to give Chad Scott a chance to call some plays this spring. See how it goes. And then he made it even more confusing at the end of spring by just kind of dropping this little nugget that quarterbacks coach Sean Reagan called some plays at some point in the spring. And it's just, now what are we doing? But I'm with you. If it were my job, if it were saying like, hey, this is your last chance and your job depends on it, your career almost depends on what happens this season, I'm calling plays. I'm going to, if we're if I'm going down, I'm going down under my own, you know, on my other corn here and I'm going to, I'm going to make the play calls and we're going to go down calling the plays that I want to play in the game I want to play. So I imagine it will end up with Neil Brown back at calling plays. What uh, offensively, you mentioned offensive line. Is there anything they're going to be able to lean on or is it the offensive line in terms of, you know, is it, is it a wide receiver group? Is it running backs or, or do they just say we we've got the experience on the offensive line? We're gonna try to to make that what this is all about. Which, when you think air raid, I, the, my, my brain doesn't go to offensive line. <laughs> no, I think that's the way they're gonna go. I mean, right now you have they they lost all four their top four receivers from last year. Replace them with four transfers. So you're kind of rolling the dice. Maybe they end up being good. Maybe maybe not. But you know what you have in the running back room. You have three guys who ran for over 100 yards in the game last year. You brought in a couple big-time recruits. You know you have five starters back on the offensive line. And you know you have a quarterback that can run the ball, two quarterbacks that can run the ball. So I think you're going to see this offense kind of lean more into some read option. I don't want to call back to the, you know, Pat White, Steve Slayton, Rich Rod kind of offenses that, you know, they, you saw towards the end of the Big East days. But I think you will see more runs, run, 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 read, run options here and different things with those guys. And just play to their strengths because I think the wide receiver room is completely unknown. Defensively, you said it kind of had flipped from the first few years Neil was there. Was there anything in particular that, you know, kind of led to them or was it just the collective group just either didn't, you know, didn't have the talent, the scheme wasn't working, you know, what, what, how, you know, how did they go from being pretty good to really good to being kind of a tire fire last year? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was almost entirely the secondary, really. Um, you started by losing a lot of guys to the transfer portal, which just killed them. And I think, you know, they tried to add some guys, but they certainly, well, I'm trying to think of how one of our members put it because it was great. Um, they lost dudes and replace them with guys. And if you catch my drift there, just lost some oh, real yeah. talent and just replace them with bodies, more or less. And then the, one of the guys that they were relying on to try to carry that secondary was Charles Woods, who was named preseason All-Big 12. 
and he more or less broke his ankle 14 snaps into the season opener. So when you you were expecting him to carry kind of one side of that defense, one side of that secondary, and then you have three, four transfers, you're hoping, hey, just one of those guys will work out for one spot. But now you got to hope that two of them are working out for two spots, and then all of a sudden they're having to fill in in safety because other guys are getting hurt, and it was just – uh, you know, just a, a run of stuff, just back to back to back, and it went so fast. Woods is transferred now, right, to SMU? That's correct. He he got hurt, was out for a while. He got the what I call the Tua surgery. You know, he had that. It was like a really bad sprain, but they went and did that special the, the surgery, tight, the tightrope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he came back, tried to play a couple more weeks. It just wasn't working, and he shut it down. So he got the four games. So he's able to redshirt technically this year, and then yeah, he was he was done with it. He was ready to go. So, where like where do they go this year? Like, how do you see it? And if you do, I should preface if you do see it improving. Like, where, given the portal and all the stuff that you've mentioned, like where do they get better defensively to to try to you know get back right the ship from from last season? Well, I think this is where it's different from last year. And I kept track for everybody in the league. And last year, West Virginia lost the most snaps in the league. But they weren't one of the top three in adding new snaps by the transfer portal. And this year, I think they are second or third at last check in lost snaps. They're still up there, still kind of depressing if you're a WVU fan. But they were also like second or third in additions this season and they went out and they added some talent, especially in the secondary. They added guys like uh, Keyshawn Cobb from Buffalo, who was a very good starter. Uh, Beanie Bishop, who excelled, was an all conference at Western Kentucky and then was a kind of that fifth cornerback in Minnesota. Um, I think they're going to rely a lot on Montre Miller, a transfer from Kent State, who rated out really highly on pro football focus, one of the best corners around. So again, they got a lot of bodies. And you're going to kind of find out which one of those guys you're hoping like at least two of them can kind of hit because they added, it was five defensive backs, four defensive backs, five transfer. You're just hoping that one or two of them can hit. So taking all the, or I guess before I get to that, how has, you know, with Brent, with the issues that they've had, has it started to truly, we know it's going to happen with the transfer portal. Like UC is dealing with it with a coaching change. If things are not going in a good way, guys are going to be getting out. Um, guys are also going to come in because they, you know, see the, the opportunity for playing time, but your level of guy coming in when things are trending in the wrong way is not going to be as good as the guys going out. So we know that's there. How has all this affected high school recruiting? Because I know you, you mentioned you got a big visitor weekend, but they only also, and it's early still, but have only have three commitments. So these last couple of years, how has the struggles affected uh, Brown's recruiting on the high school level? Honestly, it's been the same. Like, uh, there hasn't been that, uh, you know, obvious hit. It hasn't been that clear as far as where they rank compared to previous seasons, even under Neil, under Dana, and, and going back. It's about the same kind of classes as far as where they end up in the class ranks and the guys they're bringing in. I do think the last. Maybe, maybe this certainly this last class, maybe two. I'm trying to think of that last class, the two classes that go off the top of my head. It wasn't as top heavy. I felt like there were a lot of solid guys. Like, if you, if you go strictly off the rankings, like a lot of those guys that are in that 87, 88 range, they're a good, solid three stars, top 50 at their position. Um, but prior to that, 
it always seemed like West Virginia pulled two like legit four star kids, maybe three of them, guys that you know you could kind of hang your hat on that you knew they were going to make a difference. Um, and, and last year, you know, they got Rodney Gallagher, big time player. Um, but he's just barely on the fringe of that four-star if you look at the ratings, and, and he was it. That was it. I mean, they had another All-American in Josiah Trotter, but there was some mixed reviews on him from other outlets, and now he's torn his ACL and he's out for the season. So West Virginia's kind of in a tough spot with this class again. I just have to know, October 12th, how excited are you? Are you going to Houston and go and see Dana again? Not, not me personally, no. Um, <laughs> that's going to be a very interesting kind of stretch there, not just because of the Dana thing, not because of the Houston thing, but I mean, partly because of it, but right before that is the bye week. And if you look at West Virginia's schedule to start the season, if you're one of those people that's on, you know, Neil Brown hot seat watch, it's at Penn State, where I believe West Virginia's already opened as a double digit underdog. Uh, you presumably win FCS games with Duquesne, and then you got Pitt, Texas Tech, and at TCU. There is a world where West Virginia is sitting at one and four right there and heading into a bye week. Now, granted, it's a short bye week. I think that Houston game's a Thursday matchup. Thursday, yeah, Thursday but, night, 7 o'clock. Yeah, but it could be one of those situations where everybody's talking about, is this the end? Is this the end? And man, if they're one and four or two and three, and then they go to Houston and get embarrassed, I, <laughs> yeah, it, it would not be good. I, I, I know some. Certain people in Houston would enjoy that very much, but certainly not Morgan Town. You got so, any more team specific stuff, Dave? Um, yeah, I was actually I wanted to ask, and you mentioned the secondary and needing some some pieces, and you actually in the twenty twenty three class got two kids from Cincinnati, uh, and Josiah and Jordan Jackson. I was just curious, like where do they slot in right now on? On the depth chart, or they did they play it all last year? Are they looking to be able to get on the field this year? Um, so yeah, both defensive backs. I think we've got them both listed in these corners on the thing or athlete or whatever, but yeah, um, both defensive backs. Uh, Josiah enrolled early, so he probably has a better shot of getting on the field. I wouldn't say he's in the two deep right now, which is not unheard of with two freshmen, but he probably has a better chance of making a difference this season than his brother Jordan, uh, because Jordan just got here. Like two days ago. Uh, I got, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was I got my ears crossed up. I thought that they were already there, but never mind. So, yeah. but yeah, um, it was just interesting to get, but you know, grab a couple because they, West Virginia has historically recruited Ohio pretty well, but I don't know if if Neil has if his ties are more back to like the Rich Rod days of the of the Floridas and the and the South or or where the majority of his high school kids are coming from. Yeah, it's been a lot of the same places. Uh, they try to get into Ohio. So I'm, you, uh, I'm surprised there hasn't been more of that Southern Ohio kind of northern because his roots are back in Kentucky, like right across uh, yeah. the border from Cincinnati. So uh, I would think there would have been more. There have been a few guys. Like he's pulled a few guys from Kentucky when West Virginia was not a big recruiter of Kentucky um, prior to his arrival. But they dabbled in, in spots and just like, just like Dana did when – West Virginia at the Big 12, and he was like, we're going to go to Texas and recruit. That lasted one cycle, and it was like, oh, never mind. Let's, do that. Let's go yeah. back to the normal spot. So, yeah, it's South Florida, it's Maryland, it's Ohio, it's Western Pennsylvania, it's New Jersey. That's really so, interesting to me because I, there have been – a lot of people think, like, we're in the Big 12 now, Cincinnati fans, we're just going to go start recruiting Texas. Like, 
Florida is a place where everybody eats, right? Everybody's yeah. got a table in Florida. Texas doesn't feel like that. Te- Texas still feels very centralized, regionalized, I guess, maybe. You don't see Texas kids spreading out that much, it doesn't feel like. Yeah, I think if you look at, like, Florida, like, I feel like, let's call them, like, second-tier kids, the kids that, like, maybe aren't going to Florida. There's a hundred four-star kids in Florida, so. Yeah, (laughs) and they're willing to go other places. They're willing to look at at Cincinnati, at West Virginia, Indiana, these schools out towards the north, towards the Midwest, Mid-Atlantic. But, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I think in Texas, you know, West Virginia dabbled there. They got a couple kids. Uh, one off the top of my head panned out. Um, Noble, Noble Machupu, he, w- he was a good defensive lineman. But, again, he was a kid that, like, his next best offer was maybe UNT, like North Texas. It's not like West Virginia was beating, say, Texas Tech for, for these kids. Like, if they're in Texas and Texas Tech offered, they're not considering West Virginia, basically. Right. So you mentioned the the rough start of the schedule this year. Like, what do you like? Just prognosticating on June seventh. Like, what kind of record do you think is realistic, and what kind of record do you think is needed for Neil to get a uh, extension? Because just getting one more year or whatever isn't gonna. That doesn't help him at all. He probably needs an actual extension. So, do you think it's even? Do you think it's doable? Do you think it's dead man walking situation? Like, what? Where? Where do you think this heads? by when we get to November it's I think we'll have yeah I think we'll have an answer you know maybe after that Houston game one way or another because I think either by the Houston game or the Oklahoma State game the week after that that that'd be October 21st um you're looking at a team like if they're three and three or three and four like what are we doing here you know if it's just another year that's going to end up somewhere between you know five and seven or six and six or four and eight like what are we doing here um, so I think at that point you're gonna answer because either they're gonna be three and three and three and four, or they're gonna be five and two or six and one, and everybody's gonna be like, "Oh yeah, I was always a Neil Brown guy. I was always yeah, that's, that was my guy." You know, hey, you're like, oh, yeah, I knew it. It was just gonna take him some time. Yeah. There, there's a thought process that year three is actually the toughest uh, in some ways for a new coach. That changes now with the transfer portal, obviously, because things can can move so fast. Was last year a year that he had a bunch of older guys from the previous regime that they're still kind of cycling through? Like, what was the the kind of the makeup of the kids he was was relying on last year as like the upperclassmen, the veterans of that team that saw things go sideways? Yeah, it was a strange mix. I think the, the vast majority of the kids, you know, the leaders of that team, the seniors that you're talking about, like a Dante Stills, a Bryce Ford Week. And the good kids, great kids, great leaders. But they were Dana's guy. Like they were recruited by Dana. Um, a lot of those senior fifth year guys, they were recruited by Dana. So they weren't even the guys that Neil brought in. Um, and then you're pairing them with your other seniors, more or less being transfers. So now you're you're got this mix of another coach's seniors. Granted, you've been coaching them for three or four years, um, and then seniors that just arrived from another school. So I do think there was, you know, uh, that's something every team I think is probably facing um, at least to some degree. The the big 12 as a whole, obviously this is UC's first football season into the big 12. Is there anything uh, we know it's going to be quite a step up from the American, you know, there's, there's no more, uh, 
trips to South Florida or Temple, you know, on, on the schedule. There's no, you know, I would say after, especially after they only play Oklahoma and it's at home, so no Texas. They got to, I don't know if UC paid paid somebody or what, but they got quite a uh, quite a sweet welcome to the Big 12 schedule. No TCU, no Texas Tech, no Texas, Oklahoma at home. There you uh, go. So, uh, but what, you know, what is kind of the week-to-week of it as a, Maybe you could say from your perspective, you know, because you guys did a similar move, not, I mean, mm-hmm. several years ago, but still um, somewhat recently. So just like, you know, for UC fans to to get an idea of the nature of the conference and, and what the week to week of it is like. I think the key here was what you just said was week to week, because when West Virginia came to the Big 12, that was, you know, they had Geno, they had Tavon, they had Stedman Bailey, they had NFLers and you know, college record breakers, up and down, team. But that's the thing. West Virginia, when they were in the Big East, and, and all the teams that were in the Big East, you know, they, they were at a certain talent level, at least like as far as the whole roster goes. Their first team could compete with anybody's first team. It was once you got past like those top, maybe not even the whole first team, but maybe once you got past those first like 15 of your 22 starters, that's where you see the difference. Uh, when you move up to Big 12 play, when you move, like if you were moving to SEC, Big 12, Big 10. And, and I think that's what caught up to West Virginia because that's why you saw West Virginia have so, so much success with some of these one-off games, like beating Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, beating Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl, beating Clemson in the uh, Orange Bowl. And then they come to the Big 12 and, and they kind of get brought down to earth. And I think that's because when you have to grind like that week in, week out against these teams, you're going to have injuries. You're going to have departures. You're going to have uh, scenarios where you're relying on, you know, player number 33, and your player number 33 might not even make the roster uh, of like an Oklahoma. Like, wouldn't even be in the top eight. And that's where West Virginia started running into trouble. That's where West Virginia realized, hey, we have to build up depth here because we're not going to last. And I think that's something that I'm sure the coaches know, but and fans probably know. But I just remember thinking it when West Virginia went to the Big 12, and it was even more than I could have imagined. Some of the best uh, environments that you've experienced in this league. Like, what, what does Cincinnati have to look forward to? Because fortunately for you guys, you didn't face exile. You you never experienced a, uh, a Friday, Black Friday game in Tulsa. Uh, <laughs> With, with 30 of the closest friends and family of the Tulsa staff and uh, team in attendance, um, what does Cincinnati have to look forward to when going on the road in a league where, back to being in a league where everybody actually cares about their football team? It's weird. For it, us, it's weird. It, it's funny you mention this right now because I just happened to – do a story up on our site the other day about the, the largest crowds that West Virginia's ever played in front of, you know, just some standard summer filler kind of thing before camps got started right there at the end of the day. And I went to go see West Virginia's and none of the top, I think it was like 35 or 40 were at West Virginia stadium. Now West Virginia stadium is capped at about 60,000. Now it was higher than that. They topped 70 some thousand, you know, before, seats got swapped out for suites and whatnot but you go and look now at west virginia's top game and it's just largest crowds it's 
Texas, 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 <laughs> Oklahoma, 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 Oklahoma. So it's whatever you think is like a large crowd. And I know like even smaller stadiums, like it, they're more intimidating. Like Texas Tech is wild. Like they're nowhere in any of the top 30, 40, 50. They throw, they throw tortilla chips at you. Yeah. Their, their wall, like where the stadium, right behind, or where the students are, right behind the players' bench, is about ten feet. I feel from like where the players stand, and yeah, then they throw tortillas on the field, and so you're right next to the fans. You got tortillas flying in Texas. You got a hundred thousand people there, and, and it's so. That's just like, tortillas whatever, are delicious, though. Yeah, yeah. probably whatever, homemade. They're not coming out of a bag. No. <laughs> but that was I think that was another thing everybody used to was just going out there so there's certainly a lot of fans that still make all these trips that still go to all these stadiums um, I don't want to see it lost some of its pizzazz but yeah the first couple of years it's all everyone talks about oh, I'm going to Austin oh, I'm oh, going yeah. to Norman oh, I'm going to Stillwater it's going to be so amazing after one or two trips I'm like, yeah it's, I'm, I'm good sure. I'm oh, yeah. do it again but it is something kind of wild well, to think about with the size of the stadiums. We, we've Are they not... excited to come back to Nippert? Like somewhere <laughs> that you don't have to get on a plane to go to again? You know what? Well, I was about to say, you know who's going to be happy about that? Because the person I hear we hear about it most from is actually Bob Huggins. And I was about to say, I don't know if Bob Huggins is going to be hard. happy to go back to Cincinnati. It's hard, right now, it's hard so. to win it's in Cincinnati. Hard. It's hard. Yeah. You ever been to Lubbock at 9 o'clock on a Wednesday? It's hard. Well, that's that's the big thing is that you finish those games, like especially night games. I mean, it's harder for basketball because and, and, Huggins is right. Like they go out there, they set up the schedule so that you go down there to play Saturday, Monday, back-to-back, but you stay down there. So you go down, you play Baylor on a Saturday, and then you kind of hop on a bus and go over and play TCU on a Monday night. But you're playing big Monday on ESPN. Game starts at 9 p.m. That game ends at 11 it's the second game you played in 48 hours. And then you have to get back to your hotel on a plane and you're landing back in Morgantown at 4 a.m. And then you have to be a class like a couple hours later. It just sounds brutal. You, you know where Bob will be the night before the game in Cincinnati? Oh, where's that? You see that logo in the upper right-hand corner <laughs> of the screen? I can guarantee he'll stop by for a hello. Are you uh, are you in Morgantown, Chris? Uh, not right now. No, we got Mike that's there and a couple other of our writers that are there right now. But, well, I'll uh, be go- I'll be going to the game, so maybe we'll we'll catch up with it, with that, and I'll I'll share some some pretty incredible Cincinnati hug stories, and and actually a couple of West Virginia hug stories too. Good <laughs> that that I uh, that I know about from from the time my brother was was there, but. Yeah, I think our I think our crew, our fans are are pretty pumped. Obviously, it's close. We haven't like we don't have we haven't had a road gaming conference that outside of UCF. I mean, but that's not like an easy travel game. Like Memphis is an eight hour drive. That was the closest, and, and West Virginia knows this. Like it was yeah. more for them, probably. Like, yeah, the closest game. But, like we weren't like rivals football wise with Memphis. Like we. Yeah, we no, have, but I'm just but, saying that was the closest thing yeah. we could get to was eight hours in Memphis. So we're just we're all very like we obviously want to win a lot of games, but we're all very excited to, to play teams that you know have pulses for fan bases and and you know as Chad said have more than 10, 15 people uh, at the game. So that makes well, sense. What college football is all about is is the atmosphere and the and the pageantry. Well, that's why West Virginia went around for their non-conference and they started setting up like Maryland, Penn State, Pitt, 
Virginia Tech. I'm just going to rotate through those four teams in non-conference for the next, you know, 10 years because fans were, again, they're like, cool, went to Texas once. I don't need to go again. And you know what I want to do? I want to go to that team that's an hour and a half, two-hour drive, and I sports hate all of them, and I really want to go. And I, I think the school's – who knows? Maybe we'll get back to more of that, hopefully. It would be nice. Or we could just add – UConn and Gonzaga and just turn it into one one really big disaster. <laughs> Great. Is that your brother, Dave? It it is. <laughs> first maybe first time on the on the chat. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. He'll be com- he'll be coming in from Utah. So yeah, we got it. We got a whole crew coming in. But uh, Chris, just I'll just say this about hugs. It is not a coincidence that every year he has one or two kids that he recruits from roughly Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. So that he's got an excuse, you know, five times to to come go to the high school, you know, rub elbows with everybody and then go see his good friends that own the Holy Grail and uh, and, you know, the hold court uh, for a night or two there with all his, you know, the all the Bearcats of old, uh, which used to be DeMar Johnson, who yeah. now, you know, is is hanging out in West Virginia as well. Love DeMar. If you need an end with DeMar, I got you. That's my guy. That's my guy. Uh, he's, he sounds like he's going to try to do some some big-time recruiting for West Virginia, especially going back to, uh, I mean, Huggins DMV. doesn't need any help in Cincinnati, but he's going to try to help him out in D.C. From, the, yeah. from his high school days. Well, Demar was. I don't think like people just don't like know Demar was the next big thing in DC. Like Kevin Durant looked up to Demar Johnson. You know, like all those guys that that grew up. Everybody, every player, their dad (laughs) in DC. Every player in DC's dad grew up wanting to be Demar Johnson. The way Demar came up, you know, he was he was a unicorn. He was six nine. He played two guard like. There weren't many like Demar back then, and now, uh, you know, that's kind of that's where you look at two guards in the NBA now, and they're all six sevens, you know. But Demar's Demar's awesome. Uh, it was I was sad to see him go. It was a guy that I always loved, you know, when you when you were around the program, getting a chance to to catch up, and wouldn't have any idea, you know, he was the number six pick in the draft, and all the accolades that he had, but, but those people in DC worshiped him. So he's got a lot of recruiting chops uh, that, that should be able to help out in that, that region. I'm excited for him. He's, he's a great dude. Well, I think West Virginia fans are excited too, because he, he's jumped right into this recruiting stuff and, and we'll see how it pans out. Right. All right, man. Well, Hey, that's all, that's all I have. Do you have anything else? No, I think we're good. Man made some time for us after some baseball, so I don't want, don't want to keep him too long. But but we appreciate it, and we're definitely looking forward to the. I kind of thought it was going to end up being the the uh, Thanksgiving weekend game, you know, the the kind of you know turn the last game of the year into the rivalry, but but the Bearcats yeah. get can get Kansas uh, at home, so the, the West Virginia UC game the weekend before. But uh, we'll definitely uh, look forward to. Getting to West Virginia, and we thank you very much for jumping on and, and kind of giving us a good rundown of, of where Mountaineer football is right now. 
I oh, appreciate you having me on, guys. Thanks a lot. Hey, and Chris, if it goes south, you know there's nothing better in this business than a coaching search. So. That's right. <laughs> appreciate it, man. Thanks again. Thanks for having me on. There you go, Chris Anderson, earsports.com. And uh, good of him to uh, pop in. We weren't sure. He was he was looking at a time crunch with uh, Little League Baseball. So awesome of him to uh, to pop on with us and and get our first team ticker Big 12 preview of the uh the summer. So we're gonna right. we're gonna do what we can to get as many of those up and running uh here over the next couple weeks. Teamticker.com, $50 off through Father's Day and uh get it for $249. I, I got a message from somebody this week said that they got their team ticker. Uh, and it is absolutely perfect uh, addition to their man cave. So excited to uh, to continue working with them because it is a really cool product. So it is, it's pretty awesome. We're gonna get one somewhere. Maybe we'll um, maybe we'll hang it from like that that archway. Yeah, sure. Just hang it there. Just, just have a cord just running right down the middle. Well, yeah, you can take it down after the show. Like you can, you don't have to have it up all the like Monday through Sunday. Like you can put it up and then and then take it down. Yeah, I'll get, I'll, I'll get to it. I got a, I got a busy person. <laughs> got a lot of stuff going on right now. We've all got vacation coming up, which yeah. So there, there won't be a Big Twelve preview next week. No, there won't I, be. I, a there won't be a, a burger. This no. might, I mean, when was the last time we just didn't have a, a BCJ pod? I mean, we've shifted days. We've had guest yeah. hosts, but we're just not even going to have one next week. Well, I, there's, I, I don't know how we could. No, there's, I mean, no, there's, there, there's no point. So did I tell you, Kelsey, they found out their time schedule for games in Orlando. Uh, they're in the afternoon wave. So every day. They play from 2 to 9.30. 2 to 9.30? Yeah, that's their window for games. Wednesday, big Thursday, window. Friday, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it, sounds, like it wipes awesome. out. Any, like, you, you can't do anything. Like, it, it, by the time you get out of there at 9.30, like, you go get dinner. It's 11 o'clock at night. By the time you get back to the hotel, you got to get all the kids to sleep. And then get ready to get up in the morning and do it over again. So yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a blast. It's well, not vacation. I'm not on vacation, Chelsea. Dave and, my, and Aaron are on vacation. Uh, yeah, my, mine is much more exciting than going to Florida to watch children play volleyball. I also looked at the temperature. Guess what? The lowest high temperature is going to be in Florida next week. Oh, like a hundred? Ninety-two. Uh, one well, there's one day where it's gonna cool down to uh, 92. Sounds lovely. I'll be yeah. on the beach. I'll be on the beach drinking pina coladas, not, <laughs> not thinking about you. All right. Well, we got the uh, the West Virginia segment out of the way. What else would you like to talk about, David? Uh, we have quite an official visitor weekend fired up uh, in a few days, so we'll obviously get more. We'd like to wait till, you know, whatever. Th- 
Thursday, Friday, maybe even Saturday, maybe who knows. But uh, there has been a, quite a bit of buzz on the, on Twitter of guys putting out there, you know, graphics of, of when they're going to come. It sounds like at the uh, the Bearcat Caravan in Chicago last night that uh, one of our members had the chance to speak with Coach Satterfield, and he was expecting around 14 guys, maybe five commits or so. I think we've pretty much nailed down all those guys on the – official visit thread on the message board. No need to necessarily go through all of them because things happen. Guys change their mind. Things come yeah. up. They don't show, you know, they don't, they're not able to make it. They add a guy like, you know, but um, you know, we've got a good mix of commits and obviously uncommitted players. And you hope that, you know, some of the commits can get in the ears of the, of the uncommitted and, and get a few commits. I'm, you know, I would imagine there might be a couple. We don't have any idea who, but you got, you know, if you end up with nine guys, you would hope that at least a few of those guys would, would be interested enough to, to jump on board. But again, it's still June. Like guys are going to take other visits. I know there's been some conversation on the board of a couple commits, possibly going to on visits to NC state next weekend. I really don't have much of a problem with any of that. I don't think UC is not really going to, position to be you know telling guys to well if you go on another visit consider yourself uncommitted um guys should be able to do what they want to do they're out there for a reason i know we you get the whole like well then just don't commit it's easier said than done when you're talking about 16 17 18 year olds um yeah and i don't mind it because you know you go to another place and then you see what else is out there and it proves to you you made the right decision or you say, okay, well, I, I think I need to, to reevaluate this. And that's fine. Because in the transfer portal era, right? if you're not 100% all in, you're going to end up in the transfer portal. Like, that's just like, at the first sign of adversity, you're going to be like, you know what? Like, I, I, I was kind of feeling something else anyway. Like, and, and they're already earmarking these dudes. Like, yeah. you, don't think that, you don't think the staff, Zach... Jack, those guys are like, okay, this guy's committed, but he's taking another visit. We need to note that because we need to be prepared that what if he does come here, but then he doesn't play. He's already shown us that he's willing to say he's committed and then look around. So like, we need to be prepared with potential transfers in his, right. his position or other potential high school recruits. Like maybe we're not, recruiting a certain position super hard right now because we have this guy committed and now all of a sudden he's saying he might visit some other schools. So, okay, you want to do that? All right, we're going to start recruiting uh, some other, you know, whatever. Right. Corner, corners, wide receivers, running positions irrelevant. Um, yeah. yeah. We're going to start looking at some other guys too that maybe we weren't as focused on because we thought you were you were locked in. That's the nature of the beast. Like that's how this all works now. You have, you can't. Everybody gets excited for like the the transfers that are on their way in, but they hate the guys that are leaving. Like it's a two way street. Like everybody is playing this game. Oh, it's so, it's all. It always cracks me up. It's like, oh, this guy's committed, but he's visiting somewhere else. And then if I tweeted that, like, you know, high three star. Maryland commit commit is visiting. We'd be all be like, "Yeah, let's flip the flip him, flip, 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 <laughs> Philadelphia, flip, flip, you know, for, 
for you uh, Always Sunny fans out there. It's like, you can't just be like, it can't only be cool when it's you doing it. Yeah. There has to be the understanding of this stuff goes both ways. But should be a big visit weekend. Hopefully we'll have more of a confirmed list uh, going into Friday uh, in terms of like we know this is exactly who's coming. Um, one of the crazy parts now is the the, the way things are going. If, if you put out there that you're visiting Cincinnati that this weekend, every the, the, the other schools involved are like, hey, why don't you, why don't you come here instead? Yeah, our NIL is better than theirs is. You well, there's, know. There, I mean, there's one player in particular, uh, probably, maybe not the highest-rated recruit that is expected or anticipated to visit, but right up there. That I haven't seen anything publicly from him like the other guys with a graphic um, yeah. or a tweet. And I, you know, I might, I'm sure if I missed it, it would have been on the board. So, and I would have caught it, you know, after the fact. Um, so some dudes like, you know, who knows, maybe they, he doesn't, they don't want the, the fanfare or the, or, you know, like this Xavier Henderson just showing up, you know, everyone's freaking out. When's he going to announce? Well, maybe he's not. And that's more of a transfer thing than a high school thing. But yeah, but, um, it's funny, isn't it? You know, it's actually, it's quarterback Samaj Jones from Pennsylvania who actually visited West Virginia last weekend has some guys. Uh, that he's familiar with from high school, either already on West Virginia or also like being recruited by West Virginia. It sounds like he's also interested in Oklahoma. I'm not really understanding that one. He's supposed to go on a visit next weekend there, but they've already got a QB in this class and they signed Jackson Arnold in last year's class, who was one of, if not the best high school quarterbacks in the country last year, five-star, like, he might beat out Dylan Gabriel by the time UC plays him. So I'm not really sure where that puts Samaj Jones. Um, so it could be a, a, an old school Khalil Lewis, West Virginia, UC uh, recruiting battle. <laughs> Khalil Lewis. Ran into him at an IHOP one day. Him and Devin Gray just happened to be in the seat. They got seen with the seat behind us. He, is he like the last – this is funny because for the whole Fickle era, it's never happened. Is he like the last guy that like was a true like signing day commitment, like didn't know where, where he was going to go that UC got? Like, it, it, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody else in there, but you know, we've joked about it forever. Decembers are boring. Like we know exactly who's coming every year. Yeah, yeah. He was, well, the question you always have, though, is like, did the staff know when they just, like, slow played their hand because they didn't want to jinx it or... But they, like, they never even told, like, they never even told us. I know, that's what, but there have been times where they're like, man, I, this one's so weird. Like, yeah, we think we're going to get him, but I'm not even telling anybody because... And I'm not counting, I'm not counting years where there's a coaching change, like, with the Louis, yeah, with a couple of the Louisville guys, like... Yeah. Um... But yeah, it feels like that one was uh <laughs> was maybe the last. It was up time. there. It was up there. Um, what else you got? The Godfather's being contacted by agents, apparently. Not sure. I mean, they all have agents now. Everybody <laughs> I mean, I think like by like actual agents. Yeah. Like Drew Rosenhaus style agents, not marketing agents. 
Yeah, I, but a lot of these guys have legit agents. They're just not allowed to. Oh, I know. I just like this tweet. Like, basically, like, leave me alone. I'm yeah. focusing. I'm worried about the season. Yeah, I mean, he's look again. You always knew as long as Sauce could back it up, he was going to be a star because his nickname was Sauce, like Splashy. Like, we, yeah. What are what are nicknames now? J Dub, T Rich, like nicknames suck now. Dude, you see, he's got all the good nicknames. Sauce. Now they got they have the Godfather. Godfather. They got the gravy is committed. Um, <laughs> yep. So I mean, we need some more food. Turkey, right, like right. a turkey. We need to get into Texas and get us like a turkey leg. Jimmy <laughs> Turkey Leg Johnson. Starting. I was at, gonna say Johnson. That just rolls. Turkey Leg Johnson. Starting at <laughs> defensive end for the Bearcats. <laughs> but I mean, you just knew. So like the God, he's the Godfather, and his name is literally Don Corleone. Yeah. Like yeah, if he's good. Like everybody's gonna want a piece of that because it's marketable and he's got a big personality. Um, PFF the, had a good interview with him, uh, just kind of discussing, you know, his his rise and what he's about. And I don't know, I like they're gonna come out of the woodwork because if he has a year this year like he had last year, he, he's gonna be a first round pick, I would assume. I mean, or close. Yeah, I think it's it's that's a he plays a bad position to be a, a high draft pick. I mean, you saw Mazzy Smith from Michigan end up being a first round pick um, at that kind of true nose. Yeah, play. I mean, player. But but yes, I mean, he's absolutely going to be if he if he does something similar against better competition. He absolutely will be in uh, a position to be one of, you know, I'll just say like right now, like top a top fifty type player. I have to I have to give props or props to Clifton Av on Twitter when I tweeted about everybody this this morning. Yeah, he uh, he sent a good picture. He said introducing the Godfather's agent Tom Hagen with uh, with a picture for, of Tom from the Godfather. <laughs> He needs, yeah. I'm. I need to talk to Dante. And talk. He needs a conciliary. Maybe I could, you know. I'm. I'm. I am Italian. Maybe I could be his conciliary to kind of keep the the vultures and sharks at bay. Oh, yeah. While, while he focuses on on football. You could go get him his Chilitos with fries. I mean, sure. Yeah, that's what you know. That's a conciliary does a lot of things, Dave. Yeah, it's not just keeping the vultures at bay. Sometimes it's going to skyline, making a skyline run for the crew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, camp is rolling. Uh, yeah, it looks they, like everybody's, to our knowledge, has arrived. I think there might be a couple transfers coming, like that get here this weekend. I, I still I mean, think like there's the, one that the high school kids. Oh yeah. Um, that was last weekend. Yeah. And now there there might be a couple transfers coming in. I, is, there's still one that's not public, isn't there? Like, I think. like that's committed that we know about that? I think so. I don't – you're going to have to tell me this one offline or text me. I, I thought it was I, when we talked. Maybe I missed a commitment. I, I, I could have missed a commitment. Yeah. 
Anyhow, but, if I'm uh, wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah, we need to get uh, we need to get Nico back on on soon. Just to that's see the plan is I talked to him. I talked to him uh, last week, and I think he's gonna hop on the BVP after I get back from uh, from Florida. I think that's the nice. plan. So, um, though they should have everybody on campus by this weekend, the whole roster here, and you know, in the weight room and doing uh, summer workouts and. And kind of trending towards getting things ready to go. I know uh, Keegan was on campus today, had a nice long conversation with Emory Jones. He is working on an Emory Jones feature. Nice uh, for BCJ. Here uh, he's got a couple other, couple other people to talk to and craft the story. So uh, hopefully by, by uh, we we're going to need content for next week because yeah. nobody's going to be around. Oh, we're gonna, no, we're going to get content. We're going to get like five commitments. Colorado is going to join the fucking Big 12. Yeah. Uh, something else ridiculous is going to happen. You know, you see you'll get, you know, several basketball, like a, out of the blue basketball story will pop up. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it, will ne- it will absolutely happen when you and I are both like, not even that we're not, like around like we're not like really even capable of like giving it proper coverage i'm also on vacation right. yeah like yeah. The, the, all three of us are are uh, keegan you're in charge you've been here for a month you, you Fig- got this week figure it out <laughs> yes yes is there Matt, another camp tomorrow yes. yes 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 uh i will be on radio so i will not be there is it not a night camp it's no, no it's a mid-afternoon oh. camp so um and then there's a will keegan be there that's the plan but there's other stuff happening tomorrow that we have to kind of right we'll, we'll get to that so i haven't had a whole lot it's one of those weeks that's infuriating because the first three days of the week there wasn't a lot really going on and then you have thursday where i agreed to radio Months ago. Yeah. Um, And then you have a football camp. Uh, I think there might be like a little open gym action I could have probably hit up tomorrow while I was on campus. And then another thing tomorrow evening. And it all happens on the one day this week I have radio. So, yeah. Hardest working man in Cincinnati. Well, it's just, it's just a pain in the ass. Can we spread this shit out a little bit more? It's not about being hardworking. It's about I, I had three days where I didn't really have anything going on. I mean, you should have known that Tyler McKinley was going to announce a commitment somewhere when you agreed to do radio six months, six weeks ago. Yeah, I, yeah, and I should have called and told them, hey, if you can't do camp that day, right. take they probably day already had the schedule out. You could have, you know. Yeah, I know, but I I would have need to tell tell them like you're gonna have to move it to it's, Friday. It's just poor planning on your part. It is. You're right. <laughs> uh, you're right. I, we, I don't think you and I have talked about this. You and Aaron might have on a nightcap. What are your thoughts on Ellie De La Cruz? No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the betting line win total going to five and a half for the Bearcats? Do you think it's a correction? I think it's a correction uh, that a lot of bettors have now exploited, and that's why it's 
gone up, or do you think? I'm sure it's gone up because everybody bet the. Yeah, so I mean, like it's everybody looked at it and was like four and a half. That's a sucker's bet. Why would I? Why would I not take the over? Even if I'm don't love their chances, like you're basically saying like they're going to go four and eight if you're going to take the under. Like I think it should have opened at five and a half. And now, yeah, I think it probably should have too. But I also still wouldn't touch it. Like I wouldn't touch it at four and a half. I'm not touching. Oh, I would have. I would have crushed it at the over at four and a half. Just because that's the smarter play, like. Yeah, but you don't have to bet. No, but I'm saying if yeah, you know, I would have done that if I was inclined. If you, would, if if you I, have to bet, yeah, I would have bet the over at four and a half. I'll be interested but, to see, like, I mean, I we'll get into it and try not I'm to. I'm just saying you're allowed to not be comfortable and just go on. Oh, and for I'm not sure. Touch that one. I don't. For sure. I I said somebody asked me at twenty four seven, like, what's what do you think is the range for the record? And I said, I think it's somewhere six, seven wins. But if you told me they were four and eight, I wouldn't, like, I would be, okay, they probably lost a bunch of close games. If you told me they were eight and four, I would say they probably won a bunch of close games. Like, I I don't have, like, a wild variance either way on what I think is worst case and what I think is best case. I think it's all like this. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, plausible ex- yeah. like plausible explanations for all of it like you tell me they they only won four games i'd be like yeah i could see that like emory doesn't play as good as we hope uh and they get some unfortunate injuries and they lose some close games or you tell me they won eight games i'm like all right emory was better than we thought uh some of the transfers made bigger impacts than we were expecting they were relatively healthy and they stole a couple games that maybe they weren't supposed to win like all of or that is just, both of those played, things are totally reasonable. Well Nipper, right? Like or they just played well at Nipper. Yeah. Like they only lost to Oklahoma at home. Right. There's there's six wins. Yeah. <laughs> like so yeah. Like it's just it's it's I don't know that I've experienced a season where I'm this unsure about anything. That, no, because we're in a we're in a brand new league, and we're doing brand a new coach, coaching and staff. Like three roster, quarters of the roster is new. Roster turnover all in one year. Yeah, so so we've God. never, you know, we've never really done that. We've had new coaches, we've had large amounts of roster turnover, but we haven't done it butted up against, uh, you know, a much much higher level of week in and week out competition. D'Antonio was here the last year in Conference USA, wasn't he? Now you're, was. now you're trying to make me think. Uh, I I don't know. Off, offhand. I believe he was. Probably. Probably. Because Gino didn't play in the Big East. No, he did not. And that was D'Antonio's first year was Gino's senior year. So, yeah, he had a year to, like, like – ramp up to it, right? Yeah. Satterfield's what what do the kids say now? Ten toes down? Sure. That's uh it creates quite the the variance on what's possible. <laughs> quite the variance on like when you're making a prediction. Like I don't when we do the preview show just like after camp like I have no idea what I'm going to say. And generally we like at, at this point 
we generally have a pretty good idea, right? On where we think things are heading. Right. Like going into the season. I have no clue, man. No. No, it's it's uh that's why these summer workouts are are interesting to try to, you know, talk to whether it's Nico, the coaches at these camps, get an idea of, of what what kind of what they're seeing and hearing, and then obviously higher ground will be probably I mean, I, I don't wanna be hype you know, hyperbolic, but like most anticipated higher ground that I can remember. Yeah. I, I mean, 2021 was highly anticipated because we thought they were going to be really, really good. But, but higher but ground was also, awful. Higher ground right. sucked. We knew – we were excited to go and, and be able to watch them play, but we knew who was starting at literally every position. <laughs> and pretty much who was the backup at every position. Yeah. So it wasn't a whole bunch of uh, intel to be gathered or newsy type things or – or tracking dudes like, oh, this guy's had two or three really good days in a row. It's like, oh, great, that guy's had two, two really, two or three really good days in a row. He's still not going to see the field this year. Like what? Like safety was one. Like, okay, we should be worried about safety because Wiggins and Forrest went to the NFL, but Hicks and Cook are taking over, and we both feel really good about about those two guys being back there. Like. <laughs> Like, even the stuff where there were questions, there were answers that were, like, you know, in the in the realm of, like, you yeah. didn't have to ask the question, I guess. I mean, like, this year, it's, you, could, you could go each day for a week and be like, I'm only going to watch offensive line today. Right. And then tomorrow, I'm only going to watch receivers. And then the next day, I'm only going to watch defensive line. Even though we know a lot of the defensive line, they're playing in a new scheme. So what does that look like? You know, and so, what is, is is Justin Watley ready to make a jump? Is Dominique Perry ready to play 40% of the snaps behind, behind Corleone? Yeah. Because they're not asking Corleone to play 80% of the snaps. Like, that's just poor usage of the guy. So, like, are they ready there? Who is – is there somebody that steps up that's going to be that outside edge rusher? It's like, there's it's, – it's everything. Yes, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. It will be here in roughly a little over two months. So – Yeah, I mean, we're, we're at that point now. We're into June. So, like, get through camp season – and then you yeah, know I mean, what are we like? What is it? September second. So we are just under three, three months, months yeah, from three months from from, from kickoff. EKU, which is it, it's been weird, Dave, because it's been a really like this is what's been odd to me. It's been and obviously my brain has been in a different place than where it has been every year of the 16 years that I've done this, but does it feel for everything that's happening that it's also been quiet at the same time? Does yeah, that make I sense what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it does. I think things have hit like in very like short bursts with a lot of stuff. And then there's a lull. And then there's a right. short burst with a lot of stuff. And then there's a lull. 
Like, it's been weird. Yeah, because, I mean, like, you had the coaching change and everything that came with that. And you had signing day, which was, clear, like, almost right after that. Well, let's and not you start- forget, you had hiring a staff. And then hiring a second staff. Yeah, hiring right. half of a new half of a new staff and to your new tra- staff transfer portal and you know it it just feels like there's like and that slowed down obviously but like it was for a while it was like it was just a, a very steady stream of like oh here's one thing today right. like here's here's a transfer today and then here's a transfer today oh and then here's a high school commit. And then here's another transfer. So it was like, it just kept. It's like, it's like the faucet is just on drip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the perfect analogy to how this offseason has been. And then in two months, it's going to be on, you know, flooding the house stage. Right. Like, do you have a sump pump? Yeah. Because it, there's going to be a lot. Like, there's going to be a lot that we just don't know. And, you know, some of that is we were in that weird spot where everything with Kelly was happening and Keegan had not graduated yet. So I had the guy hired behind the scenes that was going to be able to help me out with a lot of things. But he couldn't start yet because he's finishing college and apparently you have work to do. I don't know. And it's inconvenient to drive from Bloomington to Cincinnati all the time. I don't see the big deal. Right? Come on. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, it's just, it's been a weird, weird, like, flow to this offseason. It has. It has. But here we are. But, no, now we'll get some official visit weekends. We'll get some... Uh, more camps. Then we got some, we'll have some basketballs, you know, off season stuff. And then all of a sudden we'll be at football season. It'll be yeah. here. It always, we always say it, it'll be here before you know it. And then all of a sudden it's here. Yep. Um, anything basketball you want to hit on? Oh, well, we'll get to basketball, but we, we got to talk the great conference realignment stuff that happened. Well, I figure we usually do that as its own separate entity. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you wanted to count that as football or just. No, I mean, it's, it it affects everything. So let's let's save that for, we usually save that for the end. Um, uh, Basketball. What what would you like to, uh, what would you like to know? Uh, There hasn't been a little birdie season really yet. They've been doing a lot of stuff. Uh, as team workouts, which according to the NCAA, God forbid, not allowed to see a team workout. But I have been, you know, in contact with a lot of my sources that that have the intel that we're looking for. What, what would you like to know? Uh, well, Jamil yeah. Reynolds looks like an aircraft carrier. That is a monster of a human being. He's hopefully, hopefully he looks like an aircraft carrier patrolling the paint this year and not in a jumpsuit sitting next yeah, to Yeah, I just I don't know, man. I assume they're they're going to be eligible until they're not. Maybe that's an error on my part. I mean, I think that's, that's thinking based on how things have gone. Now they're claiming that it's the the old days are over and blah blah sure. blah, blah. We'll we'll again, we'll see. 
Um, I don't know if we've really got into that doomsday scenario yet. I don't know if we we want to. Uh, <laughs> what happens if? Both I mean, I don't guys like. We'll talk about get, it when we when we have to. Right. Like, exactly. There's no point in talking about it now. Um, I would just say like, uh, what has been the feedback? I mean, I would say the feedback just on. Uh, so the new, just the newer guys in general. We know CJ can shoot. That's you know. I, that's not. I think the, we're not breaking that, any news there. I would say more of like Seamus and the the two point guards are are of the interest to to my ears. I, the the thing that I've heard is that they've they've done a lot using Seamus and CJ together. They have tried to like pair them, and the two of them are extremely advanced in terms of basketball IQ. So you can do a lot of different things, and I've heard a little bit that they've um they've had Seamus kind of working out with the point guards at times not because he's going to play point guard but they do want him because of his skill set initiating offense so when you're in the half court why not have a third year guy kind of starting the offense when you when he can pass and shoot and and put it on the floor and do the things he can do um so they've been kind of using him in some of those roles early to test. Is he going to be ready for that? And and this is what I talked about when I, I said that when Micah left, there's probably going to be some experimentation in July, June and July to figure out, do we have to go get another guard? Or do we have this guy that kind of has the ability when necessary, okay, like we're going to have, we're going to play through you offensively. That doesn't mean he's the point guard, but it does mean he's going to be given the opportunity to initiate offense. And I think that's, you know, that's very interesting in terms of trying to maximize his skill set. Um, the, the From what I've heard on the point guard side, those two dudes are extremely competitive and they have been getting after it. Well, I don't, I don't uh, know much about day day, but none of that surprises me about uh, just, young Edron yeah. James jr. Yeah. I mean, he's from what I've heard about him, he's got, and this is hard for a freshman. So I'm sure it's going to take some time, but they can see the alpha qualities. Like he's vocal, He's telling guys to get to their spots. He's, you know, being a guy that's pushing people in workouts and in individual drills, getting on guys. Um, I don't think it's full blown like, oh, he's acting like he's been here for five years or, you know, he's it, it's not that, but it is just some of that natural stuff coming out of him that is, you know, what happens when you're the son of a Hall of Famer, like, that that goes one of two ways, right? Either you're a shithead because you're the son of a Hall of Famer, or you've got the traits that made your dad a Hall of Famer. And right. everything I've heard is he has the traits, at least in terms of work ethic, and you know he, he's not sleeping in. He's he's not missing, you know, eight a.m. breakfast or, or the things that. 
I, I think it's fair when you say like a, a kid has grown up with a bunch of money available to him, a bunch of the ability to be lazy, right? And I say yeah, this yeah. to somebody, if I had the ability to be lazy, I would be so lazy, <laughs> right? Yes, I have it's, to like, it's like the, uh, what, the, the people that are like, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to win the lottery because, like, what, what, what would I do all day? And I'd be like, I'd be very content doing nothing. Nothing. I would be. I would do nothing. What, I would have. What do you do today? Oh no, nothing. There would be a <laughs> shaded area next to said pool, and I would be in that shaded area next to said pool all day, every day. Like that's just what I would do. Um. So the 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 early return on Jizzle is that he's about the right things. And he's in the, in the gym all the time. He's working. He's trying to get better. And him and Day-Day have had a, a pretty healthy back and forth so far. Now it's two weeks in. So, like, let's not get out over our skis. But you want to see that. And, you know, if you look at uh, some of the stuff we're hearing from the Monster Factory about Day-Day's athleticism, the kid's an elite athlete. What, like what, are we, what are we hearing from the Monster Factory about like day-days? 30, 39, 39 and a half uh, standing vertical. What was Aziz's in that video? Uh, that Mike I, put I, I out? don't know. Like he, he, was, he was one fingertip away from 12 feet standing like, vertical. Like four foot vertical? <laughs> I mean, it's, his, like his chin was above the rim in that video. Like he's a freak. <laughs> he's an alien i know i know the feeling all too well yeah like you know we would lower the, the rim down to eight feet and you would jump off a trampoline and you're I'm still not sure if i could, could, could <laughs> grab the rim in eight feet <laughs> i could touch it i could touch a 10-foot rim i couldn't grab it but i could not, not me <laughs> um so yeah i mean the the the, the early returns are good um i, I think hearing that Seamus is getting some time with the uh with the 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 point guards or at least like doing some workouts with that group uh I think is that's probably the most interesting thing so far this summer other than the really like I I told Aaron the other night they remind me of um were you in Nashville when they played Florida State did you go down for that no that I was, was I was in Nashville the other time. <laughs> we don't, yeah. That what time? I don't know. What I'm about. Um, when I walked out before the game and Florida State was like warming up, it was like I've never seen anything as massive as this team. Like they were just huge. And when that's how this team looks, you know, 6'11, 6'11, 7'1, 7'1, like Odie is 6'9 and looks like like a guard standing next to some of these guys, they're just physically imposing. Now, the question will be, can can you still win at an, an elite level playing too, like old school, too big basketball? I guess my question is, and I'm, yeah, I might get shouted down for this, are, are they trying? Like, yes, they're trying to, like, but this year specifically, like, is this maybe the best way to go about it? But maybe not the best way if you are truly trying to win 
and a compete for a Big 12 championship, make a legitimate tournament run? Is it not the best way to do that, but is it maybe the best way to win a bunch of close games and get yourself into the tournament? Potentially. I mean, I don't think... I don't think those two things have to be different, but I'm just wondering, like... So here's the thing, Dave. This is what was, like, really strange about this offseason, this particular offseason and and what happened. I I think they definitely went into the portal, like, we we have to get a big. I don't think they had any, like, intention of, we got to go get a guy that's 6'11", 280 pounds, and we have to go get a guy that's seven foot one, like freak shot blocker. Right. I think it just kind of happened. Right. Like, like you, you in the talent acquisition game, if a, if an Aziz Bandago becomes available and you have the connections to get him, it would be malpractice to be like, ah, we're good. Right. I mean, you, you there's a, there's a difference between like, Oh yeah, we got nine six four guys because all the great six four guys shooting guards wanted to come here. Right. And we just took all of them and we'll figure it out. Versus <laughs> like we wanted one big, we got two. Like it, it's yeah. it's a little bit different than, you know, they're not they're not the same thing. But they also got two scoring wings, two offensive minded wings that they had to get, that they had to replace. Now Again, the question is going to be, was the staff right on Jizzle and Dayday? Did they make the proper evaluations and go land two guys that are going to be able to elevate this team's performance when it's, you know, 62 to 60 with three minutes left in Lubbock? And we won't know that until we see it. And you're trying to end a two-game losing streak. Right, because you just played Kansas uh, at home and you and lost Kansas, by three. And Kansas State or something like you went. And, and yeah. you went to Oklahoma State and you and you lost in overtime. And now you got to stop the bleeding uh, so that you don't have a, a three-game week, three-game losing week. It's like, yeah. yeah. That's, you know, we're going to be talking about that until we see them show that – that they can they can fight that off. I think the benefit, like, yes, and, and there's, I think I'm I'm you know the things you've mentioned with Day Day, what I've seen from Jizzle, like, I just think that their their overall athleticism and the things that they seem to do well already will at least at at worst give them a. Adequate baseline, sure. To where, like, I would be stunned if they both just stunk this year. I would too. Like, we we just like we just can't do anything offensively because our point guards suck. Like yeah. that would surprise me. Like, are they going to be first, second, third team All Big Twelve? Probably not. Maybe, but like, I think there's enough talent on the roster to give them a chance in February to be in contention to make the tournament yeah. with with adequate to solid point guard play. I agree. And I think I that's agree. I think I think that's a reasonable expectation in June without really like I just think they have that 
level of ability already that, you know, I'll use just fine. They'll be fine. What does fine mean? How many games does fine win or lose you? I don't have any idea. But, like. Like, look, you want to know it can happen? Oklahoma State had an incredibly talented roster. Yeah, and they all got hurt. <laughs> and. And, and they never they never gelled. They like because of right. the injuries and guys in and out of the lineup, it never clicked. And it, it they were what the second worst team in the league. They lost a shit ton of close games and yeah. So can your can these two point guards win you a bunch of close games? We're gonna find out. Um Tyler McKinley, 6 30 tomorrow night. Um, what odds would you put on him announcing to the Bearcats? Pretty good. Pretty, who who pretty do you think good. are the UCs? UCs, obviously, he's announcing of amongst, I think, seven schools um, Xavier, Ohio State, Virginia Tech. I'm trying to remember, I'm not looking at it. Xavier, Ohio State, Virginia Tech, UC, Michigan State, Alabama, Tennessee. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah, okay. Taking UC aside, who is the one or two schools that if he did announce for them, you would not be surprised about? Ohio State or Xavier. I, I've just always gotten the feel for Tyler that he's going to play close to home. Okay. Um, I, I just I, – I, I think he is done, and he's he's likely going to be back at Linkier Prep. Like, I think this is his get away from home, right? Like. Mm-hmm go to a, a place that's one of the best prep schools in the country. Um, a lot going on in Branson. Lot, but a great golf in Branson. I right? mean, maybe, yeah, I can talk to him about Big Cedar Lodge. I mean, maybe, you know, I don't know if he's been out there or not, but. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's a golfer. <laughs> I don't know. Can you get clubs at that? Like, how, what, what does a club look like for a I guy mean, that's that Michael size? Jordan was pretty good at 6'6", six, six, so, I mean, he's 6'9". Like, <laughs> that's not a huge difference. That's a big difference. Not for golf clubs. Okay. I mean, you're gonna. They're know. gonna need. They're not. He's not going to Dicks and buying them off the rack. <laughs> no, he's you not. Know, he's so. not getting rack rack <laughs> clubs. They don't make those, right? No, he would no. miss the ball every time, just swinging oh, over. No, he would just be like, he would be an L bent <laughs> bent <right>. over <laughs> to you know trying to you know hit, get to the ball. Oh. But, but um, um, you know, yeah. I know we've t- there's been a lot of talk about him like. Because he's been a target for a while, um, you know what? Just what are some things about his game that you think are translatable, kind of instantly? It's it's uh, it's very hard to project and say like this guy's going to become this in two, three years or whatever. But like he's got a lot of skill. He can handle the ball adequately for somebody that size. Um, he can pass really well both in the open court and in the half court. Uh, he rebounds it well in and out of area. That's what I was going to ask you. Does he like He's to got mi- a good does motor? He, does he mind mixing it up, and is he a consistent no. rebounder? Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, do I think he's like, you know, Justin Jackson that was just, you know, trying to eat somebody's arm off to get a rebound? Probably not. Well, he's not, but- a, he's not a, like uh, an uber athlete, right? No, he's he's a good athlete, but he's not like a freak athlete. Um, I will say this: like 
here's the hardest part about doing the evaluation stuff and, and the scouting stuff. It's when you've seen a kid as much as I've seen Tyler. Because you get, you compartmentalize the good stuff, right? When you're first watching a kid, the good stuff stands out. And, and, and you and you and you identify okay here's this thing that I think that he needs to work on here's this thing that I think is at this level but could probably go up a little bit to here um and then you watch you watch and you watch and you watch I've been watching Tyler for two like since he was at 15 and under and then you don't pay attention to the good stuff. Anymore. The good stuff, like you already, the good stuff is checked off. You know the good stuff. Yeah. And then you just focus on, so I've talked a lot about, I think he needs to do a better job creating space at the rim. Scoring over length. Um, because I think that has been one of the things, one of the few things that I want to see him get better at. He has definitely taken a jump since he went to Lakeview. Because you have to. You're playing with huge dudes out there on a on a nationally, like, you know, one of the top three, you know, uh, high school situations in the country. So he's gotten better at it. But, it. but it's still, I think he needs to do a little bit better job when he gets position and he's got somebody on his back. Kind of Danny Fortson, how Danny was always able to, even though he played below the rim, you couldn't nobody get to yeah it. Danny played below the rim but nobody ever blocked a shot right like I think Tyler needs to continue developing that because he's not gonna finish he's not as these bandago where he's gonna catch the ball turn and just dunk on you like immediately he's gonna be scoring with with post moves with hooks with with you know uh pivots and spins and layups and you need to make sure like when you beat a guy with a move that you are able to hold him off when he recovers. You know, if you put a post move on a shot blocker, a guy that's 6'11 with a seven foot three wingspan, if you're slow after the move, or if you don't do a good job keeping distance between his body and his ability to get to your shot, then it can become a problem. And I think Tyler has gotten better at that. I think he can continue to improve there. But I also know I have to, like, calibrate. I am nitpicking. Like, right. I am I am, I am, am at a point where his game is good enough that you kind of, you say, okay, like, these are the two or three things that I really need to see. But he can shoot the three. Like, do I think he's going to be a 40% three-point shooter in college? No. But if at his size, if he's, he's a 34% three-point shooter, he's a threat. You have to guard him. You have to, he can pass, he can rebound, he runs the floor really well. He does a really good job getting out on the wing uh in transition and being able to play downhill and, and get a basket because he's a big guy that that. You know what, when you watch big guys run the floor and you see a guard throwing the ball 18 feet from the basket and you just know it's a turnover? Oh, yeah. Like, you just know, like, you can't throw him the ball there. You have to like wait. He, 
He's barely thrown it, and you're yelling, like, why did you? No, like, no. <laughs> That's not it's, Tyler. It's not his fault he dropped it. You should know that he wasn't going to catch it. Yeah, he wasn't going to catch it. When, when you threw it, there was a 0.0% chance that he was going to catch the ball. But you can throw it to Tyler, and he can catch, take two dribbles, and, and get you a dunk or a layup. Like, that, that part, for a guy like Wes that wants to play in the open court, um, it is really important. So there is a lot, 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 lot to like about Tyler. I, I, and I, I smack myself in the hand sometimes because you get caught up in like, okay, you, it, you've gotten this much better. And I still think there's like another level here to get to. So I talk about that and then people take it. I don't want to say the wrong way because it's, it's what I'm talking about. So they take it as, I don't think he can score at the rim, or I like I don't think I I, I talked about. No, it's it's so not I, that it's it's he's a top fifty ish player. Like there's he's not a sure thing NBA guy. He's got things any he, he's got things he needs to work on, but he's also like an eighteen year old. Mm-hmm. Like he's not anywhere near a finished product. So if you're not anywhere near a finished product, it's not an it's not unreasonable to discuss the deficiencies that are in his game as an 18 year old. Those aren't deficiencies that are in your game as a 27 year old. Like if he was that good, he'd be, he'd be a top five player in the country and not going to UC more than likely. I mean, like, let's just be real about it. Like, you know, say that anymore. Like, well, I I was going to get to there. We, we got a little, like we're trending in that direction. Like got, got a lamb one, but right. Jizzle was 60, Rayvon 70, Tyler's 56. Like, we're starting to, you know, make a nice, you know, three in a row is a trend, yeah. you know, of. If they can get Jace, Jace is top right 70, around top 50. Well, I'll believe, yeah. If he doesn't go to Michigan State, I'll be, you know, that's just me. Like, that'd be great if they could. But, like, I'm just going to assume until it's one of those deals <laughs> that, like. The dude's I, get gonna go to, uh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, there, there's but, not many of them. Like, if you look around, it doesn't. But they're, but they're in, much. but they're in, in for other guys too in that range as well. Yeah. So it's is. like they're starting to build the port, just like in football, the portal in basketball is always going to be a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. But if all, but if, and yes, there's always there might be that time where you take a a kid that's around hundred because he fits a specific need or you just really like his game or, or you think uh, you think the scouting services right or, or, or wrong. <laughs> exactly. I've got this guy as a top 40 kid and the scouting places have him 87th right. or whatever. Right. But there, you know, if you can start having a high school, I can think of two of those incoming high school classes that are all tops. We'll call it top 70. Yeah. And then, you have some success in the Big 12. Maybe now it becomes like a couple, three years in a row of top 50. Well, what have uh, we talked about for a long time? If you can just get two top 100 kids a class, like your roster is in very good shape. Yeah, and because now, the, now, especially now in, college, in college basketball, I think the hit rate on quality college basketball players that are – Top seventy is is much higher than in football. I agree, but a hundred percent. I agree. The top end because, guys, the top end well, guys in football seem to always make it. They, the Bijan Robinsons, the Caleb Williams, like those guys. From def- thirty to hundred, it's it's a crapshoot. 
It totally is. Playing time isn't what I wanted. I transfer. I get. I blow up my knee. I'm not the same guy. Like your body didn't develop like everybody right. thought. Like you know, one of the big things of football. What do we always hear in football? That kid's going to be able to put on good weight. Yeah. Because you're dealing with, you know, 17 year olds and trying to project. Yeah. In a football sense, what they look like at 20. Yeah, I mean, like Tyler McKinley's six nine, two twenty ish. I don't know what the real numbers are. Like he's not all of a sudden going to become seven four, three hundred pounds. Right. Like right. <laughs> we kind of know he is, he is already roughly in the vicinity of what he's going to look like in college. Mm-hmm. That's right. not the case in football. It's just no. not. At any at any position, really, outside of like quarterback, and that's still you know there's some development there. I mean, yeah. nobody comes in. That's why you don't have the one and done, and that's why, or you know, right. the high school to the pros, or even the one and done. It's like, you know, you need three years to develop. The, the most developed, best developed high school players in football are in no way, shape, or form even in the same planet ready to compete with the upper echelon of college players, let alone NBA players and, or NFL players. And with with high school and college basketball, I think, you know, maybe maybe Tyler and Jizzle and Rayvon don't become stars, but there's a very low probability that they're all just going to, like, bust. they're all going to fizzle play. out. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, yeah, uh, Pangos camp was a very good, very good week for uh, Bearcat targets at Pangos. Tyler had a good week. Flory was, I, I think, the co-MVP of the camp. Are coaches Tucker. allowed to be there for that? No. no. What was the thing I saw Andrew Slater tweeted? It looked like it was like in a, an, an, uh, island, an island or something. The gym looked horrible. Where where uh, was that? They were, I think they were in Mexico. That was the FIBA 1600 oh, okay. Americas. Okay. Uh, so they, they, they were playing Puerto Rico. Um, they won comfortably. Uh, oh, you mean, I believe... you mean Puerto Rico isn't a global power of bas- of 16 under basketball? That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Um, but Chad Dollar was there the first half of the week, and I think Andre Morgan is going to be there uh, over the weekend. So nice little, that's a nice little vacation. No, that's not how that works. I wish it was. <laughs> Oh, I know. You're, you, go, you go to Puerto Rico to sit in the gym all day. Yeah, you go to Puerto Rico and you're in the gym from 9.30 in the morning until 10 yeah. o'clock at night. Sounds awful. Yeah. Just, like, no, I, like, I, don't even, I don't even want the, like, I, but I think they're in Mexico. Right. Not Puerto that, Rico. Or Port, yeah. Oh, they were playing Puerto Rico. They were playing Puerto Rico. Uh, I think the yeah. tournament's just, in Mexico. Just have the tournament in Des Moines then. Right. I agree. I, that's, yeah. Because there's nothing worse. Like, I, we used to go every year... There was a tournament in uh, Hampton, Virginia, which like Virginia Beach is right there. Yeah, and like literally, it was it was an incredible tournament, and there were games that you had to watch from eight a.m. until ten p.m. every day. And the beach is, you could be at the beach in twenty minutes, and you can't like we act. We found at one point, I found a hotel that was on like the uh, the bay or whatever that's right there. And I would just get that hotel and work with the door open because you could see uh, onto the, like the outside the hotel and there was just the bay. And I'd be like, if I can't go to the beach, at least when I come home at night, I can look at it. It sucks. It's the worst. Like, yeah, it, yeah you're in a tropical location and you don't get to do 
You don't get to go hang out at the bar and have uh, drinks with an umbrella in them. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, but really good week at Pangos. Uh, Jace Richardson was the uh, MVP of the top 60 game. Tyler had a good week. Uh, Corey was outstanding. Uh, Jalen Reese was there, which that's a name that you need to get familiar with in 2025. Uh, seeing him get a Pangos invite is very encouraging is for a young Steve, kid. Is that Steve's kid? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Played plays for the same AAU program as Jizzle. And his dad is Steve Reese, who has is from Cincinnati and has many, 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 many ties to the area. And uh yeah, so I would I would keep a very close eye on well, he, he 2025 is, uh, point guard Jalen. Currently Reese. uh the 24-7 composite number set 60 player in the country, the number eight yeah. point guard nationally. Yeah. I I think the Bearcats have a very good chance on that one. <laughs> uh in 2025. So uh yeah, it was a great week at Pangos. That's an awesome camp. I hate that it's it's all the way out there uh, in LA or in Vegas. I don't know where it was at this year. I guess LA. Um, the guy that runs it's awesome, Dinos. Uh, I would like to be able to get out there every year, but that's not a uh, that's not a cheap one. Although, Dave, if this is how Wes is going to recruit, where there's seven guys for me to go, you know, cover in Pangos, yeah. then. Aaron's going nuts because the Reds with a walk-off home run. I'm upset because it was Will Benson and not Ellie De La Cruz. <laughs> All right, young Dave. Uh, realignment, go. What a – what a. <laughs> how are you even keeping up with this at this point? That's what um, I need to know. I mean, uh, it, uh, not greatly probably is the best way to put it because there's – a lot of nonsense um but clearly today the pac-12 got tired of everybody talking bad about them so they told their show so they lied they took well no they didn't lie i mean they they told the, they, they told the, the arizona truth. ad basically said they lied yeah um they also okay so for those that don't know earlier today uh john canzano one of, our, one of our favorites. He started this about that the you know, the Pac-12 had agreed on the language of their grant of rights, which would include equal sharing of media revenue and no. per- performance performance-based sharing of revenue. No, right? equal sharing of media revenue and performance-based college football playoff distribution. So basically, the same thing the ACC was doing. They weren't they weren't going to touch the media part of it, but but all the other stuff was eat what you kill. And basically saying like schools will sign it if and when there's a TV deal that they're happy with. And, and I just had to laugh because it's like I, I, I sent out a tweet and I also heard a great analogy. But also I, I said like, hey guys, we looked each other in the eyes and shook hands and agreed to this thing 
that is 100% dependent on this other thing actually happening to the level that we all want it to happen at. So, what? Yes, I can hear. Yes, but it's like the most, so there's no news in it. It was right. a new, it was a news leak that had no news. Yeah, it, it reminded me of like ten people or t- five couples getting together and being like, "We all want to go to dinner, but we don't know where we're going to go." <laughs> like that's that's really nice, guys. That you all decided to sign the grant of right, agreed to sign the grant of rights, and you agreed to unequal, you know. Rev, uh, distribution of, of funds based on performance if and when the thing that actually pays you the money to do that right happens right so you know you had your Stuart Mandels your Kinzanos your Wilners everybody that you know shills for the Pac-12 saying like oh look how great this is blah 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 and then you have your big 12 people and your what I would like to call higher rational, normal people. Well, high, higher, higher intellect uh, members of society being like, yeah, that's great, but you don't have a TV deal, so it's kind of pointless. Not kind of pointless; it is pointless. Like it's like how many business dealings, how many business is businesses have conversations with their partners or just co-employees where it's like, okay. If this happens, then we're going to do this. They don't announce it every time they have this conversation. Like, right? hey, guys, we're going to hire this guy if this deal comes through because then we're going to have extra money, um, you know, to, to make this move. Or we're going to, you know, if this deal comes in, then that can, is going to give us the ability to go do this deal. They don't tell anybody that they're – that they might do something right if, if this other thing actually happens. Um, yeah. it's it's just wild. Well, then the Arizona president is on the Feinbaum show basically saying, like, I'm you know, paraphrasing, he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, I saw this tweet. Uh, from this, you know, he didn't name names or anything, but he's like, I saw this tweet from this media person and I, I haven't agreed to anything. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well then which one is, who's, who's accurate here? Uh, well, we know the Johns have been about as reliable as a Jerry Springer check to a, uh, woman of the night. I think it's really just the one John Wilner, I yeah. think, actually does like legitimate... He got caught up like associating with the other John. I think he, he does like le- legitimate like work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some of his comments and stuff are, are still ridiculous, but but I think he actually does stuff. He's a legitimate um, journalist, sure. Yeah, I mean, he I mean, broke USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. Arizona President Robert Robbins told CBS Sports he has not been informed of a finalization of the grant of rights or agreement to share media rights. I absolutely know nothing about this information, but hopefully I will learn the facts soon. Asked if decision could be made without his consent. He said no, which that's that's obvious. Um, 
But, you know, it's... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to go through some, some, some stuff right now. But it's just, like... And then, then the guy talks... Then the president uh, of Arizona mentions how... You know, they're very committed to the Pac-12, blah, 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 and the, the media rights and all the, you know, we think, he thinks it's going to be done soon. I mean, this guy is also the same one that is, has basically had like an April, I think he had like a tax day deadline. Uh, that was almost two months ago. None of them, none of them have any idea what's going on. Pete Thamel put out an article tonight, again, the flirtations of Colorado with the Big 12, with officials from each side meeting in person. Sources told ESPN has also put Arizona more in focus. <clears throat> the Buffaloes remain the Pac-12's biggest potential flight risk, and if they jump, Arizona will emerge as a logical partner, both because of geography and the Wildcats' powerhouse basketball program. I think all the attention is on Colorado. I think Arizona is more than happy to let that attention be on them. I think they're looking at it as a way uh, to not... They don't want to have to... But Arizona doesn't want to have to move. I don't think... I just don't think they want to be the one that starts it either. Right. That's fair. You know, he's, he said that, the again, the Arizona president said that they're, they're under no obligation by the Arizona Board of Regents um, to do something in lockstep with Arizona State. Uh, he mentioned that, you know, him and their president are very, very tight. He, he does not see them not doing anything together, but like he said that there's basically said like if we wanted to leave, there's nothing that the overarching Arizona Board of Regents could do to stop us. But very similar stuff to like UCLA leaving California. I think they're they're paying some amount of money possibly to the other state of California colleges, but he's they're not going to be able to keep them. Uh, from doing anything. Uh, let's see what else. I don't I mean, I don't know. I just like, it's all funny to me at this point. I'm still like, will you ever sign a meteorites deal? I don't know. Yeah. Like when, like it, 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 at some point it has, it's supposed to happen. It, it hasn't happened. So like, what, like, I don't know. That just leads you to believe it's it's very easy to believe they just don't have the options on the table because if they did have the options, people wouldn't be talking like they're talking about this. No, um, you know I this is just me personally. I don't I don't buy much of the Yukon stuff that's kind of floated out there the last week or so. What's that? I do. Like you buy it as like they're a legit, like top tier candidate. Kinda, yeah. Mm, I don't. If you want to go coast to coast, as he has continued to say, he does. He can say a lot of things. I don't believe that like the president of Texas Tech will be cool with that. Do you really think they're going against this guy right now? Before they find out what happens with the Pac-12. I think he's he's looking at it as UConn can add the Northeast. Like mm. they they say what you will. UConn basketball, men's and women's, 
has a significant foothold in the Northeast. Now, UConn football is trash, but he's a basketball. I think that's what we have to kind of remember about this guy is that he's a basketball guy. Now, there have been some reports that the football-minded schools of the Big 12 are looking at this and going, we don't make basketball decisions here. Yeah, we've got a great basketball conference, but that's not how we make that's, decisions. That's my happenstance. Yeah, that just it just so happens that we're the best basketball conference in the country right now. We didn't try to do that. We just did. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just I, the, There's so much smoke on it, and I think UConn holds a different place than we maybe think about in terms of like where UConn basketball stacks up. They are the preeminent. If you really like, you want to count titles over the past 20 years, they are the preeminent basketball program in the country in terms of getting shit done and, and, and putting trophies in the trophy case. Yeah, for sure. But it's still not, it's still not like they're like, they pack MSG when they play because it's like, eight miles away like there's they're still not bringing like but he is obsessed with new york city dave they're they're doing they're 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 going to rucker park you know who's not obsessed with new york city texas (laughs) texas uh oklahoma kansas iowa like those states are not obsessed with new york city but you know what those basketball programs are are very interested in getting those players from the NEPSAC, the the Northeast Prep School League, getting those players from New York City. Like that is still a very very relevant pocket of some of the best talent in the country. That if you add a UConn, it kind of changes the dynamic of being able to to crack some of those. Uh, recruiting battles. Hey, well, that that is to be determined. I think. I, yeah, I'm not saying it's like a slam dunk. I don't think it's. I, I think it's more than just like rumors that are out there. I do think. Oh, I'm sure they had. I mean, I know that. I'm sure UConn fans would hate it, but like, if I'm running UConn as a business, as a university, like they're so far in the red. And that's what, not, that's also what you have to consider. And Are, they're not you, getting out of it by the Big East TV, like by the Big East no, TV deal. They're only actually it, the Big East TV deal just does what they need to run UConn basketball. Right. I mean, they're still subsidizing just like you see. Hopefully that goes down as they obviously make a bunch more nah, money. I hope it doesn't go down. Keep subsidizing. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. Add it. Just stack it. Just keep using, yeah. hey, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, right, it's not. And just add that thirty million to the to the fifty. To the right to the bas- right to the football and basketball and all the other sports budgets. Yeah, um, just. I just looked at it as like it didn't make sense that it was like all of a sudden going to happen until you like until you knew what was going to happen with with the Pac-12. Like you can add UConn whenever the yeah. hell you want. Like, if they want to come and you really want to add them, why does it have to happen, like, any time in the near future? I'm I'm kind of indifferent on all of it. Like, I, you know, Arizona, to me, would be, of all, I mean, the realistic ones, I don't think Utah is really realistic. They seem to to be more than happy in the, in the Pac-12. Um, like, 
Arizona, I'd be most interested in, followed by Colorado. UConn, I, I don't really care one way or the other. I'm, you know, I yeah, think I, I think you, like I think you, you're a football guy. They're football well, stinks. It's dog shit. But and there's no there's no way out for them. Even the basketball side of it, like, are they great at basketball? Yes, but like UC's good at basketball, and they're going to the best basketball conference. Like, does you does adding UConn truly make that big of a mark when you're already like the best becomes a little bit more best? I, I would like I I thought there was something very interesting building as a rivalry UC and UConn in the Big East. It was interesting. Like that was the like that became kind of the the one thing that it felt like there was some heat developing there between the two programs. Yeah, in the American, uh, in the Big East. It, well, they were only in the American for two years, three years. No, like they were only before Ollie took over and nosedived them. Like well, they, they were only relevant in the American for two, three years. Title with yeah, in his in like. Before he crashed it into the ground, <laughs> he won a title. Yeah. yeah. And then he sued him and won a shit ton of money. Sure. But he also faced what I tried to explain to people a million times was very real. Nobody wanted to play in the American. Nobody. Right. Like, and you see now that they're back in the Big East, guess what? Kids in the Northeast want to play for UConn again. Yeah. Shocking. Like, that's, you put them in the Big 12. I think they're very interesting. I, I think, mean, the, the part of it that I understand, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know if we talked about this last week or not. Um, I think we did, but the part of the part of it that I get, I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with, but I get is if your Mark's plan and it's backed up by data, is that I can sell this great basketball conference on its, on its own. Yeah. And I take UConn, I kneecap the Big East and their yes. next media rights deal. Yeah. And I pitch this to Fox as you get 100% of my basketball content because you already get some. You had the Big East. Yeah. Why would you pay $8 million a year for the Big East minus UConn? Just pay... $15 million a year to us for basketball. And then I'll sell football to the, to ESPN and Fox, Fox. for yeah. 25. Or, you know, I'm just coming up with a number. And now you got 40 right? versus 32 before when it was right. all together. I totally get it. I'm not saying I really want it to happen or I think. But that's, that's his bit. Like you can see that's kind of his vision. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, because I mean, what is the what is UConn's? What I'm sorry, what is the Big East value from a TV standpoint without UConn? We know that they have struggled with TV ratings (coughs) on Fox. They struggle with TV ratings with UConn, right? Well, (laughs) teams that aren't UConn and then Villanova, which Villanova doesn't have Jay Wright anymore. So, how much of that are you going to carry? It's I I get it. I, I I'm not saying I agree with it. I don't ever want to see UC play UConn in football ever again. I just don't like the getting back. Like the the league is already far flung for UC 
Um, but the vast majority of the league is Central, Texas, Plain States. Yeah. And that's fine. If we're the outlier geographically, whatever, that's fine. You add them, and now we start to verge back into what the American was, where there's somebody way up here, and Central Florida's way down here, and BYU's all the way over here, and and it just, you know, if you want to go coast to coast, you know, wh- wh- why? Like, what what is the true value in that to your teams? Like, <clears throat> does it get them a couple million more bucks? Okay, great. But then, like, what does that mean for all of your other athletes? Like, we talk about, like, football and basketball so much, but, like, all the other sports aren't chartering flights. Yeah. Like, yeah, football and basketball charter a lot of flights, but nobody else does. Like, they're going from CVG to Dallas to Salt Lake City on a regular-ass plane, just like if I was getting on the plane going from CVG to Dallas to Salt Lake City. So, like, and now you're going to make them go up to stores and all the way to Spokane, and it just, it seems a bit ridiculous to me. Um, you know, personally. It's all ridiculous, Dave. Like, it is, but that doesn't mean you have to, like, but it doesn't mean you have to continue the ridiculousness. You're allowed to stop the ridiculousness at a certain point. No, you're not. No, you're not. You just have to keep getting more and more and more and more ridiculous. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, we'll see. The the ridiculous thing would be if the Pac-12 actually somehow signed a media rights contract, because then we could find out what what the number really is that's good enough or not sure. good enough. Because well, all the... the- all it is right now is it's it's just we're just we've been saying the same shit for how many months in well, a row. This is I, I I truly believe this is Brett Yormark saying this is made a way we can keep up or not keep up, but this is the best way we're going to be able to keep contact with the SEC and the Big Ten is if we split basketball and it gives us something that nobody else is doing. Sure, maybe, definitely, if it works, the SEC and the Big Ten are going to do something similar or or try to. But the thing is, the SEC has has cast their lot with ESPN. The Big Ten has cast their lot with Fox. Like, Like, this is something that is unique to the Big 12 that they're playing in both pools, I guess. Well, but the Big Ten's in the Fox, NBC and CBS, CBS, and NBC. Yeah. But um, NBC and CBS, CBS has done some basketball, like obviously, but they don't like they don't. You're not turning on CBS at nine o'clock on a Tuesday and watching. Even even basketball. that even their cut coverage feels like it's been cut down. I mean, I remember. Yeah, it doesn't feel like that long ago. Where every weekend. There was uh, like a triple header, at least two games, like a two yeah. o'clock, four o'clock, Big Twelve, SEC, yeah. or always. It always feels like there's Big Ten on Sundays on yeah. CBS, but I mean, it feels like you know, back in the good American days, 
you'd get a UC Houston game end of the year on there, but there yeah. there be more. It feels like there's a lot. There feels like that number's been been dwindling of their yeah. of their national basketball coverage. Yeah, it's interesting. Like it, it just it, it's fascinating. Uh, the 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 different ways that your mark is trying to like envision this trying to take this so and that's what we said that like not everything is going to be a home run right you're gonna hit you're gonna hit some doubles you might even strike out a time or two yeah i mean some like i don't understand like i really don't get the whole mexico football thing <laughs> right. I'm not. I'm not sure. Like, like if, how many kids in Mexico you're getting to like go to Big Twelve schools because you go down there and play a football game and and take yeah. a home take a home game away from right. You know, one of your one of your teams and and how many fans are really realistically gonna be interested or be able to like we talked about? You're gonna go down there and play an altitude, just like like double Denver basically yeah. in Mexico City, like. You're gonna mess a team up for like the following week, or do you do you have to schedule it and then make sure they have a bye week? Yeah, I don't know. Up, I, that one doesn't of... that one doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but but you know, at the same time, like the combine thing, I love the Rucker Park thing. I love you know, right. So this is what you get when you bring in that type of a of a guy. You're not gonna love everything, but you right. take you know. You take the good, you take the bad, you take I the both, you, and there I you have. You're gonna say that. <laughs> you set me up. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't do it if they didn't just look so clueless when I said it that first time on the BBP. All three of them. What are you talking about? Uh, I deal with children. <laughs> All right. I do uh, have to say I have to give Royer some a shout out. I, I've been uh, I don't know why today all of a sudden, but I uh, I looked up uh, the uh, the what do you I don't know what he calls it techno EDM. Uh, yeah, the group he went to see. It's good good stuff. Is is that going to be playing at the Simone family? Uh, oh, definitely. Vacation Definitely. I July. sent a, I sent a text to my brother and uh, actually the guy that's getting married next week uh, is a DJ as well, asking about them and they were both like, oh yeah, they make awesome mixes and and my one buddy's like, yeah, I'm gonna have some in some of it in the wedding. <laughs> so yeah, there'll definitely be some some two friends, big booty mix. At the uh, at the Simone family vacation later on this summer. I I just love that Royer like legitimately went out of town for that. They're coming to uh, Newport in two weeks. I was going to ask him if he was going. Yeah, Chelsea said that her and and Stu or Stu is going. I don't know if Chelsea is going, but Stu is going. Yeah, they're. Uh, Some big I think Columbus or something tonight. Indy tomorrow. I because I just. I was like, well, I wonder if they're close. I'm, I'm old though, so I could I could only go if it was on the weekend. <laughs> right. I think You're it's not like, doing weekday EDM shows. I think it was like a Tuesday <laughs> night in a couple weeks. I'm like, yeah, probably not gonna be able to make that one. <laughs> I could I mean, I can... but but Dave, Stu <clears throat> is like a like a like 
rocket scientist, aerospace engineer, and he's going on a weekday. He's, I think he's like probably like 15, 17 years younger than me. He's like 30, I think. He's around 30. Chelsea's clearly not here anymore. Yeah, she'd been she'd been chiming in. But uh but no, I mean he hey, you never know. Maybe I'll just show up. There you go. Maybe you can just hit up like slide in Stu's DMs and go with Stu. Yeah. And, and Royer. Can't wait to that dance. conversation. Hey, hey, Rachel. I'm thinking about going to this uh, techno show Tuesday night. What do you what do you think? It's you, called you the good, Big Booty Mix. You you good to watch Will while I go see Big Booty Mix 24? <laughs> Volume 23 or whatever. Can you set the phone to record like in a corner of the room when you have that conversation? Yeah. We just That'd be great a, TikTok we just, I mean, she'd probably be cool with it. Like yesterday yeah, was our like yesterday was our anniversary and the house conversation <clears throat> was dominated with her at least pretending or showing that she was interested in the whole PGA tour live thing. So I can only imagine you just going off on that subject and, and Rachel said, Oh, we watched, we watched a uh, hour and a half podcast about, about it during dinner last night. No, the no laying up guys uh, went live around dinner time. So that was on while we had dinner. You, you 100% found your soulmate. Oh yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I got uh, the little one is like, can I stop watching the dogs? <laughs> so we're gonna get out of here. Uh, well, it's fitting you guys went under two hours Monday night, yeah, stunner, yeah. and now we're going over. So we went over, and then Aaron and I are gonna <laughs> talk about uh NCAA football 2024, which is his favorite topic uh, on the nightcap tonight. So we won't. I'll try not to mention Ellie De La Cruz, so you don't turn it off, Dave. Oh, he seems like a cool guy. I don't like the Reds. That's okay. I just want to watch him. That's that's my thing. I want to watch him. He's 6'6". He plays shortstop. He hits it harder than anybody else. He runs faster than anybody else. He throws harder than anybody else. Like It's just fascinating to me. I'm pretty sure he's an alien. So, he'll be, so he'll be on the Yankees in three years? Is that what you're saying? Uh, probably five. <laughs> You got to maximize value here. You get at least five years out of them. <laughs> but all right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks to uh, Chris Anderson from earsports.com. Great stuff on WBU. We'll continue that uh, as we get through the summer. Thanks to uh, our good friends at the Holy Grail. Thanks to the team ticker. And uh, we will see you next time. This is the BCJ podcast presented by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. Oh. <sighs>